to Friday, March 13th, 2020 edition of On Iowa Politics. I guess it seems appropriate that it's a Friday the 13th edition, given the news of the week, politics in the age of COVID-19. Uh, we also had uh, some primaries uh, in the past couple of weeks. And today is the deadline for candidate filings for state and federal office in Iowa. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper State House Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. Uh, I don't know if it's a sign of the times. Uh, our producer has left the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Todd is not six feet away from me, so uh, we're not following the, the, the health protocols. But I, but, I, uh, I am in a hazmat suit, yes. so it's not a big deal. <laughs> so one of us is safe. <laughs> All right. Please, no handshakes. I, I have to say I went to a meeting in the Secretary of State's office yesterday. Four people shook my hand. Only Secretary Pate did not shake my hand. We did a elbow bump and toe tap, um, which actually for a, a, an old white guy is a little bit awkward. But, toe uh, tap? Yeah, yeah. I guess right. yeah, the, the, the cool kids are doing that. So I don't know. Um, did you do a hip bump? No, we, oh, we okay. didn't. We don't know that, each other that, that well. sounds like the, an elbow bump and a toe tap. That sounds like the start of a pretty good dance number. Yeah, and that's what I mean. For a couple old white guys, it was a little awkward, but neither one of us fell down. Uh, so I guess it was all good. It was all good. Um, well, and, and assuming we make it to the end of this podcast, you can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. And don't be touching your face, okay? Just out of habit, Aaron, Aaron I'm going to ask, are there any caucus updates from Nevada? How about those California and Michigan results? Do we have those yet? Yeah, we, we finally are getting some. Uh, California uh, uh, went to Bernie Sanders, um, and uh, uh, Michigan went to Joe Biden. So uh, um, I, I'm just impressed with the patience that the uh, nation and the uh, national political media <laughs> is showing uh, some of these other states as they wait for the results. Very uh, heartwarming for us in, here in Iowa to, to see Um uh, but another good week for Joe Biden, uh, another couple of big wins, including that one in Michigan that we talked about just now. Um, uh, so he continues to hold a, a pretty strong command uh, of this race. Yeah. So uh, I guess it's we're, it's a lucky break for uh, those states that uh, COVID-19 came along and, and, you know, another bright, shiny object for, for the news media to choose. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Speaking of politics in the age of coronavirus, uh, at the Iowa State House GOP, House and Senate leaders say they will conduct business as usual until public health officials advise them otherwise. As House Speaker Pat Grassley told us, there's no reason to overreact. Uh, it's uh, good to see Republicans believing in science. <laughs> Aaron, uh, you've been taking a, a big picture look at the response in Iowa, other than skyrocketing black velvet sales. <laughs> How are Iowans responding to this health crisis? Um, buying too much toilet paper. Uh, knock it off, people. <laughs> Went to the. Yeah, what's with that? I don't know. But I legit 
needed toilet paper, and, and, and they are sold out in Walmart and Target last night in Ankeny. Uh, so I guess I'll just hold it. Um, but <laughs> TMI, TMI. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, it is pretty amazing um, in all – well, I am serious about that, but in, 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 in a serious answer to your question um, – it is pretty amazing uh, how widespread the impact has already been um, given the relative few number of cases we have um, here in, in Iowa, just uh, 16 as of yesterday afternoon uh, confirmed cases, um, but already seeing uh, the impacts was obviously the, the, the colleges um, um, and we're even seeing our first uh, major high school system. Um, uh, the Des Moines public school system announced yesterday that it's um, going to extend, basically extend its uh, spring break by another week or so. Um, uh, so that's the first um, K-12 system to announce that it's, um, you know, closing its doors for at least temporarily um, uh, w- while this thing kind of bears its teeth. So um, you mentioned the legislature. That's the one place, uh, interestingly, that's not shutting down yet. Maybe the biggest petri dish in the entire uh, state um, is going to continue to operate on, on the, uh, as you noted, on the advice of the state public health department. Um, um, so, but, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, you know, cities, um, St. Patrick's Day parades that are, have been significant events in cities uh, uh, like Cedar Rapids and Davenport have been canceled. Um, so, so there's there's already um, a, a pretty uh, significant impact being felt despite a, a small number of cases. And it's and it's far and wide. Uh, the, the state parties are 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 they haven't done anything yet with the conventions that are coming up um, where hundreds of people gather uh, as they continue this uh, delegate selection and allocation process um, through the county district and state level. Um, those are all coming up in the coming weeks and months. Um, no cancellations of those yet, but the, both both state party officials uh, said they're keeping an eye on those and, and will make adjustments if they think they need to. Um, uh, so, yeah, so this is uh, something that, uh, um, everybody's thinking about and a lot of uh, places and a lot of, um, um, you know, businesses and, and um, um, entities are, are taking preventative action. At the State House, it was interesting yesterday, there were probably a thousand people there, including, I don't know how many hundred school kids. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a time of year when they make their field trip to the Capitol. Yep. And it was business as usual. They were streaming through the Capitol, touching everything in the building, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, lobbyists are there, lobbying groups. You know, this week the Farm Bureau was there, for example. Uh, you know, so people from all over the state are, are coming to the Capitol, as you described it, a Petri dish. It's a Petri dish every right. year. Uh, I mean, you know, there are people with colds and flu and, and whatever else is going around are congregated there. Um, there have been some people who have suggested that the legislature should uh, hurry up and get done with its work and get out of there, um, or even some talk about maybe suspending the session. But the leaders, uh, you know, have said that they're following the advice. They're meeting daily or more frequently with public health officials to talk about this. 
Um, and, and I guess I should say that you know by the time we're done recording, that could have changed <laughs> yeah. the, the Capitol maybe yeah. closed. And, and uh, I should ask you, Jim. You know, I um, mean, it, sorry that I'll, I'll add the reason public health has said that. So, so as you noted, the legislative leaders are relying on state public health department. The Iowa State Public Health Department, as of right now, has not recommended, um, you know, cancellation or closing of mass gatherings. And, and the reason they are giving right now is because there's not community spread of the virus. And what they mean by that is right now, the cases that we know, 16 cases that we know of in Iowa that I mentioned, they are, I think, all but one or two at the most are directly tied to um, this Egyptian cruise. Um, everybody who's been infected was on that Egyptian cruise. Um, and, and so there's a, uh, there's a, a definite source of it in Iowa right now. If and when that gets to the point where the virus is just spreading more randomly, um, that may be the point where, uh, according to state health department officials, where they may make a different recommendation. But that is why for now, they are not necessarily recommending places uh, like the legislature need to to shutter the doors. Right, right. And, and, and that's what the leaders have said. And if community spread, we get if we get to that point, then they'll have to reassess. We're seeing here in Cedar Rapids, and I'm guessing we'll see it in other communities where uh, city council is saying they're not they're I guess they're canceling or postponing non-essential meetings. Um you know, that would be open to the public. Um, and I, I assume we'll see a lot more of that. I don't know, Amy, um, what what's happening uh, in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls area? Are you hearing those sorts of things, uh, meetings being canceled? I, I heard some uh, legislators talking about public forums over the weekend, apparently, or being canceled in some communities. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the... What's the news Chuck there? Chuck Grassley uh, was, was one of the first. He canceled a, a four town hall meetings, one of which was in Grundy County, which is in northeast Iowa, and then some central and county. Oh, no. It's going to be a 98 county yeah, tour correct. this year. That's right. <laughs> now, yeah, now it'll be a 95 county tour. Right. I'm assuming he'll make this up. Um, <laughs> but the official reason he could have given was just that their their recess was canceled. But he didn't. His, his office actually said it's because the recess is canceled and obviously Grassley doesn't want to miss a vote and, and lose his track record of never missing a vote, but also because of public health concerns. So so that was added in even though it didn't have to be. And I think, you know, you realize that Grassley is in his 80s and is definitely um, one of those risk cases that they're saying for older adults. Um should be more are more susceptible to more severe consequences from coronavirus should they get it. So I think he's probably safer to 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 stay away. Although maybe he's safer in Iowa than he would be in D.C. I'm not sure if they currently have community spread. So that's really interesting. But yeah, as, as to cancellations around here, we're definitely seeing a lot. I think you're you're seeing people looking to other entities. What are they doing? Are they canceling? Should we cancel? And especially, is our population older? Um, we saw, you know, for example, um, Allen Hospital cancel their volunteers, who are mostly older adults that go to volunteer at the hospitals. Um, we're seeing, you know, more uh, considerations at um, theater and um, other sorts of concerts and staged plays where a lot of older adults come. So I think maybe that has something to do with it more than you're seeing for cancellations for younger folks. Although you are sort of seeing some of that, too. So it just sort of depends. I think people are really looking at what other people are doing and copying that. And maybe that's also why you're not seeing any toilet paper in Aiken and Aaron. We definitely aren't around here. Either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
I found it interesting. I've received a number of emails this week from uh, theater venues saying, "Hey, it's you know the, the show will go on." Uh, with these are the precautions we're taking, and and those sorts of things, and 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 talking into uh, Diana Nolan, uh, who covers the arts here at the Gazette, she said if you notice the wording is pretty similar in all of those, so it must be that that's the advice that the you know those venues have received from public health officials or whoever, and they're all saying pretty much the same thing. We're taking extra precautions to sanitize things, and but you know there's no reason not to show up at least at the moment. Um, you know, I mean, we're seeing Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders are canceling some of their uh, events. They're doing a debate uh, without an audience. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing there's not going to be any baby kissing going on in, in by these candidates. Um, and uh, Aaron, as you mentioned, the Republicans are having their county conventions this weekend. Uh, I know there are some Democratic you know, county parties that are talking about not having conventions as they normally would. I'm not sure exactly what the alternative is, um, but it's something that people are talking about. Um, Todd and I were supposed to do Pints and Politics last night, but we decided not to do it in front of a live audience, and now we're not even doing it in front of a radio audience. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, we, did, we decided not to bring a couple hundred folks over age 60 into the theater last night so right yeah so uh um and uh i guess they're the river to river on iowa public radio will all have a health expert talking about coronavirus and and how to deal with it so maybe we should all be listening to that but um todd um i mean in schools um march madness is canceled major league baseball is suspended disneyland is closed uh, some churches are talking about whether or not they're going to have surface services, and the list goes on uh, about whether to cancel. Um, who should make these decisions, and and is it sort of the same logic as dealing with terrorism? You know, after nine eleven, that if if we let coronavirus win, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you can add the Dorman family spring break trip to Florida to that list of things that have been. Aww. Canceled. We're looking forward to spending spring break in uh, sunny Marion. There you go. So, yes, that'll be. Uh, I'm going to look pretty odd in my shorts and Hawaiian shirt out in the neighborhood, but you know, you got to you got to fight any way you can fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean the the whole the whole point. The, I mean, the really big underlying point of all this social distancing is to basically slow the spread of the virus to the point where. It never the number of sick people never exceeds the capacity of your healthcare system to to handle. So there's a you know there's a line out there, and then and as the curve goes up, it hits that line, which is your capacity to to deal with that many sick people. And if you if you stay under that line, under that ceiling, then then you know the system can handle it, and 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 there'll probably be fewer serious cases, fewer deaths. Uh, it'll just be a more manageable pandemic uh so if you allow i mean and there's lots of historical precedents i've, I've seen lots of curves there's a, there's the big chart that everyone's sharing at the comparison during the 1918 flu outbreak philadelphia didn't really do much of anything to discourage crowds and and st louis did they canceled school they discouraged gatherings and the and the 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 flu epidemic got much worse in philadelphia and killed 
far more people than it did in St. Louis. St. Louis, the, the health system at that time was able to handle the cases. So that's the goal. It's, you know, it's just to sort of slow down the amount of cases and the spread so that the health system can handle it. And, and, you know, for, you know, people are talking about schools, young people haven't been really the main group that's been getting this. And, but of course, you know, you, you don't want to carry it to, to your grandparents or others. And mm -hmm. I know the assisted living facility where my dad lives is, uh, has put some limits in place. They haven't stopped visitation yet, but you need to wash your hands when you first enter. And, and if it's non-essential, you shouldn't do it. And I mean, so they, and they've, they've canceled a lot of their outings and things in the community. So yeah, everybody's just kind of doing what they can to sort of put the brakes on this. We know it's coming. We know there's going to be more cases, but the, the question is how rapidly is it, is it going to spread? One of our um, more frequent um, correspondents uh, to, who corresponds with Todd and me and others here at the Gazette sent us some good news the other day that on the recovery rate from uh, coronavirus that for, I don't know, what was it like 60,000 people out of, I don't know what number, but they, they recovered after uh, two weeks of mild symptoms and um, discomfort. But uh, so it, it's not necessarily fatal. Um, no, and but, that's, uh, that's but, the it, thing. but if it's fatal well, in your case. And you the know. problem is we, we've done, so little testing. I mean, our, our testing regime here in the United States is, has lagged behind other other countries, and so because of that, we we don't know the full scope as well as some other countries do. And and so, you know, we, it, it may be that the fatality rate is far better, you know, lower than what we've experienced or what. But but it's hard to know because we don't know how many people have had milder cases of it. We just you know mm -hmm. we don't know the full scope of the epidemic. So right. Well, uh, now that we've cleared up all the questions about coronavirus, <laughs> then, uh, let's talk about politics. Uh, I think I saw something uh, about we're still picking a presidential candidate, uh, or Democrats are. Um, remember when we talked about how there were about two dozen candidates, uh, I guess coronavirus has uh, no, no, <laughs> taken care of that. Uh, <laughs> It seems quaint to think about two dozen presidential candidates when we're down to uh, just a, a few. Um, we remember when we wrote off Joe Biden for dead. Well, Sleepy Joe ain't sleeping anymore. Um, Todd, is, is this race over or does Tulsi Gabbard still have a shot? Well, she's <laughs> she's uh, she's hanging around. I don't know what kind of shot she has, but <laughs> we must continue to mention her as a candidate, I guess. Uh yeah, I mean, it's not it, – it is – it does look over, although, I mean, I suppose there are still uh, fantastic mathematical scenarios where <laughs> where Bernie Sanders gathers enough delegates to either take the lead or cause a stalemate. But it, it appears right now, barring big drama, that it's it's Joe Biden's nomination to lose, and um, and he's acting every bit like a general election candidate now – gave a speech yesterday sort of critiquing the president's uh, uneven response to the to the coronavirus and drew some decent reviews and so I think he's already switching into into nominee mode and 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 Bernie is talking about young people and others that are supporting him as as the reason he's sticking around but uh you know we're going to have another I guess another set of primaries next week on the 17th on St. Patrick's Day <laughs> uh 
So, you know, the bars are empty. You might as well vote, I guess. I, I don't know. The parades <laughs> yeah. are canceled. What else is there to do? I, I assume we'll have primaries. I mean, there's no, you can't really assume anything at this point. But, uh, yeah, and, and, and those are going to be states like Florida and Georgia and, and, and some of those places where you would expect Joe Biden to do pretty well again. So uh, it, every, every week seems to bring this closer to, uh, to completion. Well, we can't, uh, you know, not talk about coronavirus, I guess, even if we're talking about yeah. president, presidential race. Talking to Secretary of State Paul Pate yesterday, uh, uh, and he was insistent that Election Day will be Election Day, that the coronavirus won't change that. He said they probably will make uh, additional efforts to encourage people to vote early by mail. Um, and, he, and he did concede that it might be more difficult getting poll workers um, who tend to skew older, um, if you've noticed, if you've been to the polls in recent years. Um, so it, it may present some challenges, but he... Maybe he, they can develop some poll bots. Poll bots, there you yeah, go. Yeah, you know, yeah. Poll robots to watch the polls. <laughs> yeah, somebody would complain that the, the Russians were, uh, you know... Yeah, uh, you know, or, or some Republican-leaning corporation was making the poll bots. So. Good, good thing we got that that postmark thing worked out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, you know, getting back to the presidential race, uh, I, this isn't the way I expected it to end. Sort of just all of a sudden, everybody said, "I'm done. I'm voting for Joe," and and it's over. I, I expected a much slower, uh, perhaps more painful. Uh, sort of attrition here. Uh, I, I don't know what other people think, uh, but it, I didn't think it'd be over by March. I, I expected this to go much longer. Um, I, especially, I expected Sanders to be in a better position at this point and to continue to be in a better point. Um, thoughts uh, on how quickly this is seems to be over? unless Gabbard mounts a, a late rally. Man. If not, <laughs> let's talk about deadlines. Deadlines. Today is the March 13th is the filing deadline for state and federal office here in Iowa. Um, I think all the congressional candidates have filed. There are going to be some primaries uh, for the Democratic Senate nomination. Um, and... Over in the 4th District, I guess there's a Republican primary. Um, so it'll be interesting. At the state legislative level, um, Republic, there are seven Republican state senators and nine House members who are retiring. That has Democrats, um, has boosted their optimism. Uh, it seems the likelihood the Senate, uh, which Republicans control 32 to 18 Flipping seems remote. Over in the House, Republicans rule by a 53-47 majority. Those nine retirements uh, loom large and seem to put the control up for grabs. Uh, however, the GOP is pinning its strategy for maintaining control on nine districts held by Democrats that were carried by Governor Kim Reynolds, Senator Joni Ernst, and President Donald Trump. Uh, and they will have candidates in eight of those nine districts. Aaron, um, the recent Des Moines Register Iowa poll has Republicans feeling pretty good about their opportunities this fall, not only in the state house but in congressional races. Um, the poll showed uh, on a generic ballot Republicans leading in all four congressional districts. 
uh, although it's probably too early to start counting chickens. Um, is 2020 going to be a good year for Republicans? Well, you, uh, they had to be Republicans had to be certainly encouraged by those numbers. Um, you you made the key distinction there, and it, it's very important to keep in mind is it was a it was a generic poll. It wasn't a question about Cindy Axney versus David Young or Abby Finkenauer versus Ashley Hinson. It was would you vote for a generic Republican or a generic Democrat in your district? Um, so so that's that that's a huge distinction, obviously. Um, when you put the actual names on the ballot, that that's going to change those numbers and, and, and perhaps significantly so. Um, but that said, you, as a party, you'd much rather see what Republicans saw than not. Um, so at, at the very least, that gives them, um, you know, a level of uh, confidence and, and um, um, maybe excitement that, that there's some opportunities there to um, – to pick up a couple seats. Look, we knew the first and third were going to be competitive anyways, because they always are. Um, they were competitive when Democrats flipped them. They'll be competitive again um, this year. If Democrats, even if Democrats manage to hold them, they're, they're going to be competitive races. Um, and then the second district um, has been in Democrat hands for a long time, but it's an open seat now. And, it, and it's a, it's a district where president Repub- uh, president Trump did well in 2016. So, uh, Republicans uh, have hope there too. So um, uh, I, I think, if nothing else, the, the, those numbers just kind of confirm and maybe give a little more weight to um, the optimism and, and and hope that uh, Republicans had over these. Um, but but it's a, a long way to November, and like we said, the, the, those numbers will change. It'll be, it'll be more interesting to see. Um, if and when um, the Iowa poll puts those actual candidate names um, in that survey, and, and, and then we'll get a really good feel for uh, where those races are. Amy, uh, what does it look like up there in the Cedar Valley? Are you seeing any uh, matchups uh, on the legislative level that look like they might be interesting, that might, uh, you know, districts that might change hands? You know, there's some really interesting ones. Um, Harold Youngblood um, just filed against Eric Giddens in uh, Senate 30. Um, you know, these, these Black Hawk County districts are, tend to be pretty uh, Democratic, but Eric Giddens um, won that from uh, Walt Rogers in a special election. Um, so it's newly Democratic. So that's interesting. That could change hands. Harold Youngblood's pretty well known around here, um, especially as a, a developer um, who finally tore down the uh, decades-long eyesore Waterloo dog track. Um, so that could be interesting with that name recognition. <laughs> hey, that's not nothing. I think everybody gives him credit for that, for sure. Um, and then you've got Dave Williams uh, seeing a matchup with Colleen Tierney. That is probably going to be a safe uh, Democratic seat for Dave Williams in House 60, but um, that'll be another interesting one. And then finally you've got the rematch. Uh, in uh, House 55 between uh, Kayla, I want to say Kather is the pronunciation of her last name. She she was the one famously, and we just talked about this in this podcast, uh, whose postmark ballots were not counted against Michael Bergen, who, who a House panel decided was going to keep his seat made up of Republicans, obviously. Um, so that'll be really, really interesting. That race was so close. And if they can flip that, that's, you know, one closer for the Democrats. So there's some really interesting ones up here, yeah. Yeah, I, I was talking to Michael Bergen uh, this past week. Um, there had been some speculation that he was going to run for the state Senate uh, rather than for his House seat, but he, he had already filed for the House. Oh, he said, um, 
Um, I, I asked him, I said, so what will be different this time? And he said, well, probably just a little more intensity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do the same things close. he did two years ago, but with a little more intensity. So, um, <laughs> uh, which from what I gathered after that race is that perhaps he didn't put his uh, 100% A-game effort into the race but uh, and, and was surprised and nearly ousted. Uh, some people say he should have been, but, uh, so that, yeah, that definitely will be one to watch. Uh, I'm sure both parties will put a lot of, um, energy and resources into that race. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, that certainly will be one to watch. I haven't seen any real exciting matchups right around here. I think there are some seats that are going to change hands because we have some people who are leaving the legislature, but, um, yeah, as Aaron said, it's a long time until November. Uh, Todd, w- what's the outlook for this election, assuming we have one? Um, and, and what will it mean if uh, Democrats take control of one or both chambers of the legislature? Well, I think, you know, I I think their effort to take or retake the House is probably – the top priority. I, I know that there's a Senate race on the ballot, and I know that's obviously Democrats would love to beat Joni Ernst, but I, uh, I have my doubts how close that will be. But you know, just like the the Republicans had their generic ballots to look at, the I think the Democrats were crowing about Ernst's approval rating dipping below 50. So, but then you you know put people up against candidates, and, and things change. I I wasn't really sure why the register did generic ballot when. They could have easily tested the names that we know of people that are running. I mean, we've, they, the ballot wouldn't have had to have been generic, and that would have been a lot more interesting. I'm not sure with the margin of error, too, how how much credence we should take in those numbers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I so obviously capturing the House brings us back to a divided legislature, which means, you know, basically they have to at least try to work together on things. And you can't pass anything through without the votes of Democrats so that – that tempers the Republican agenda, tempers the Democratic agenda because you can't pass anything without Republican votes. That's been the reality in most of our recent history. Uh, trifectas have happened but haven't gone more than a couple of general assemblies for the most part. So, uh, and, and that would also, you know, temper what Governor Reynolds can can ask for in her the, the final two years of her first elected term. So, uh and it would also uh, hap- it would also you know give the Democrats control of one chamber with redistricting on the agenda. So right, that's coming up. Yeah, and there have been all sorts of speculation that Republicans would change the redistricting procedure, the nonpartisan nature of it, um, so that it would uh, favor a Republican redistricting plan. Um, Although Republicans have said they're not interested in that, yeah, uh, having and they them. could draw a map. You know, I think how many do they have to reject before they can go ahead and try to draw one? It's they can reject two, yeah. or I think it is, and then they can redraw. Yeah. And I guess kind of the the ominous part is if it goes to the Supreme Court and they draw the lines. And, yeah, and I don't think anybody wants that to happen. But if and <laughs> when any of that happens, 
you know we'll talk about it on a future edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope it's been worth your time today. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Send your fan mail to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And we don't have a band to take us out. <laughs> If you know a band or a talented Iowa musician who should be on our show who hasn't succumbed to a coronavirus, send us a sound file and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Aaron, Amy, Todd, and our producer in absentia, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. You should have said today's band is the sound of silence. <laughs> the sound of silence. And now it's time for the non-techie to hit the stop button. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you. No coughing. That was good. No sneezing. That was good. Um, I assume you weren't t- touching your faces. Um, it's, it's amazing how many times I touch my face. <laughs>